You're listening to Here for Good, an academic podcast from leading researchers at Avondale University College. Welcome to Avondale's Here for Good research series. Today, Associate Professor Carolyn Rickett, the Associate Dean of Research, speaks with guest Dr. Peter Williams, Senior Lecturer in the Avondale Business School. He researches in the areas of educational leadership, succession planning, and organisational change. Enjoy today's podcast. Thanks for joining us today, Peter. No worries. Wondering if you could reflect on your journey of coming to Avondale. I know you were a student here, but now you're one of the academics in the education business science area. How did you get to Avondale in that role? Uh, so, as you said, I, I was an undergraduate student here. Um, I studied Bachelor of Business and Bachelor of Teaching. Um, that took me out into the workplace as a teacher, classroom teacher, and I was teaching business studies, commerce, legal studies, economics units like that, and came back to do a little bit of further study. And after I did that study, I was approached to do some sessional lecturing, and um, that was across education as a curriculum studies teacher for the developing teachers there, and also stemmed across the business school. I did a lot of um, economics and stuff like that. So at the end of... 2011, there was a full-time role going and I didn't personally feel I was ready for that. I was only, only 30. Didn't feel like I maybe had enough experience to come across. Uh, but someone gave me a tap on the shoulder and said, you should put your hand up for that because I'd really been enjoying the tertiary level, um, the sessional stuff that I'd been doing. And I'd been doing some study kind of with the intention of moving across into school leadership so I'd done my master's in education and then followed up with a, a master's of business administration. And so I had this knowledge base there that I thought that I was probably going to use to pursue school leadership. Uh, but I was not ready to come out of the classroom and I was enjoying the tertiary level, coming across the occasional mature age student. And um, so I said, yeah, you know what, I'm, I'm open to that. And um, the next thing I knew, I was offered the role and I've been here since 2012. So I've actually been affiliated with Avondale for, for half my life now. Four years as an undergraduate student, three years as a postgrad, four years as a sessional, and then eight as a lecturer. So what do you love about Avondale? Uh, for me, I still, the biggest highlight for me is just the engagement with the students. You know, I still, I've always said that for me, the day that I know that I'm not cut out to be in a classroom anymore is the the night before classes starts and I actually get a good night's sleep. Um, I still find myself, you know, first day, what am I going to say, all of that. So... Um, for me, it still stems largely from the classroom and my enjoyment of just being in there and, and, and seeing those students who over their three-year degree program in business kind of come in and not too sure and, you know, they become confident, ready to contribute into the into industry at the end of their program. So for me, that's that. But, you know, I'm slowly starting to take to the research side and obviously, you know, having a little bit of an administration role now too. So, you know, there's a few facets that I really enjoy. But the other thing too for me, I guess, is I know the impact it's played on me and my spiritual journey. And so I really see that as, as something that's very unique about Adventist education as a whole. And um, I see a very specific role there for Avondale too. So just reflecting on some of those areas that you're passionate about, Peter, things like teacher performance, leadership in schools, how did that sort of lead you into your PhD? So I actually was a school teacher in the Adventist system. I'm a little bit of an anomaly, really, I guess, in many ways. I've taught primary, secondary and tertiary education um, within an Adventist context. 
So I was an Adventist Schools Australia teacher for almost a decade, nine years. And as I said earlier, obviously I had an interest um, in pursuing school leadership. So I was an observer of our system and I was very interested in the background of how people were selected for leadership roles. And so to me, because I've always straddled business and education, as I said, my undergraduate program of study was business and education, and then I did the master's in education, MBA. I've always straddled kind of that business management space alongside of education. So to me, it was a no-brainer that my PhD be in the area of educational administration because I brought a lot of the management side, which is my background in the business space, alongside of obviously my background having been in education. So recently I heard you speak at the Christian Education Research Centre Symposium and you shared with us some key findings. So I'm just wondering if you could share it, just a couple of those with our listeners today. I know your thesis is very long, but if you yep. can just give us a couple of takeouts. Yeah, sure. So I was looking at succession um, for school leadership. And so within my research question, there was really two components. There was the area of aspirations, and that was a really crucial part of the study because we are seeing an ageing leadership group and there's not a great deal of aspiration from the younger staff coming through to want to pursue that. They look at leadership in a particular, through a particular lens. What so, do you think that is? What do you um, think are well, the blocks or the obstacles for that? Work-life balance is the single biggest that came out of the study. There was kind of four key kind of little areas that came out around their unwillingness to apply for school leadership positions, but the single biggest was their work-life balance. There's a perception from classroom teachers uh, looking at school leadership and seeing that it's a, it's a really complex space. A lot of pressures, a lot of accountability. And so in that sense, they're kind of looking at a lot of people in those leadership positions and saying, well, I'm, I don't think that's for me. I don't like that mix of work-life balance. Uh, there's also a perception that there's not a high level of support for school leaders uh, within our education system. So that was another kind of finding that came out in terms of their unwillingness to pursue school leadership. And there was a, a perception that the broader education constraints and regulatory environment uh, played a role too for them in not wanting to pursue school leadership. And, and I mean, there were additional ones like uh, the pressures of doing it in a faith-based context, which we can probably all, all appreciate to some degree. So, you know, there was, there was a range of factors there that from the classroom teachers particularly seemed to be what they were identifying as reasons for why they were largely unwilling to pursue school leadership positions. So I know Adventist Schools Australia are very committed uh, to teacher support, leadership training, are really keen and already engaged with your work and your research. What do you see the way forward is for emerging leaders and succession planning? Look, I'm really big on the idea of there being a pool of applicants. You know, one of the things that, that my thesis kind of identified was because of the low levels of aspiration that we have, um, and we only have, you know, I found 1.8% of ASA employees are what I describe as active aspirants. These are people who are actively pursuing school leadership. So, you know, in, in light of that, there's a sustainability issue around leadership going forwards. And so I think a big part of it is identifying people who have the potential for leadership and not just in isolation, but like a fairly wide scale you know, to develop a pool. And then it's it's all about training, preparation, working with them, growing their skills, giving them opportunities at the local school level to grow. Um, and, you know, in the hopes that some of them will say, you know what, I'm open to this. I, I think I can make a contribution here. 
Um, hopefully they feel called to do it. And that investment being placed in them through um, some of those programs creates a little bit more aspiration to, to pursue leadership and we go from there. So formal and informal mentoring, yep. did you explore a little bit of that in your thesis or your later research? Yep. So mentoring was particularly important. Um, it seemed to be once people got to the school leadership position, uh, people were very, very keen. You know, there was there was a perception by many who had recently taken on school leadership positions that they'd kind of got checked in on for the first six months or so and then, uh, you know, they're swimming, we'll leave them to their, you know, to their to their leadership role. The consensus from those new leaders particularly and for a lot of the classroom teachers who logically are the next group to consider leadership, uh, that they wanted to see ongoing mentorship. And so some people were going outside of the system for that mentorship. Some people you know, felt like they did have people within the system, Adventist Schools Australia system, that they could contact, communicate with, be in touch with, that could mentor them. But certainly there was a definite desire from those who were new in leadership and those who would consider school leadership that there be an ongoing mentoring uh, relationship for them available. You're listening to Here for Good, a podcast from leading researchers at Avondale University College. So what are you hoping your research contributes? Wow, that is a big question. For me, I'm passionate about Adventist education. I, I probably look at it from a different lens now too. You know, I'm a, I'm a parent now. And so, you know, I've got three kids. I want Adventist education for them. So, you know, obviously I'm hoping that Adventist education leaves a significant impression on the next generation. So for me, it's just, it's about, it's about having an education system that provides quality, um, first and foremost. And I think the big area for me, given my background and the, the, uh, you know, the research that I've looked at, a lot of that stems around people and culture. And so that's the space there that I see a lot of potential to be providing more support and encouragement and opportunity for developing leaders to come through to ensure that we've got, you know, a sustainable system going forwards and one that has quality leadership. That would be the the end game. I know that some of your other research projects have connected with the Christian Education Research Centre. Could you share some of those insights with us today? Yeah, sure. So one of the things that came out from finishing my PhD last year was I had the opportunity to obviously share the findings of that with key education directors, people at an administrative level within Adventist Schools Australia. And there was some some interest in that, obviously. It, it's very specific. There's not a lot of research that's been done within Adventist Schools Australia around those type of things. So it did spark some interest there. So one of the flow-on effects of that was that um, I was approached to do something very specific for a particular education conference within Adventist Schools Australia. And so it's kind of flowed on continuing that theme of uh, school leadership, school leadership development. So... You know, it's, there's a range of kind of little sub areas within that. Performance appraisal is one of those. And so, yeah, there's a study that's taking place there. I've accessed a number of schools, done interviews, and you know, I'm doing the analysis of that now. And I shared some of the findings around performance appraisal and, and you know, some recommendations stemming from staff perceptions as well as the, the body of literature in that space um, within education systems. And we'll continue to follow that up. In terms of advice? Yep. <laughs> Uh, not that necessarily advice has to be all comprehensive, but teachers working in schools now, yep. just reflecting on all that you know from your research, is there anything that you can give them or offer them from, I guess, your knowledge space now? 
Well, the area of performance appraisal, I think, has actually a lot of potential to feed into what we were talking about earlier, identifying future potential leaders, um, encouraging you know development of staff, which obviously lends itself towards leadership potential. So that is an area that I really, really see a high level of potential for if done well to be both putting that pool of potential future leaders together as well as I think, you know, improving practice. And I think from having been a teacher previously and also obviously from the research that I've done recently getting out there in schools and talking to classroom teachers and school-based administrators, I know from previous conversations with system-based administrators, there is a desire to continue to see performance appraisal taking place, but there's a real reticence for teachers to be involved with it in its current state. Their perceptions tends to be focused around the negative components of performance appraisal. You're doing it you're not doing it well. Um, there's a fear that it has future ramifications for them in terms of staffing and things like that. So the the real positives of performance appraisal, and it's you know we're talking about a cultural shift here, which won't come overnight. But the real positives of performance appraisal done well that emphasises that feedback to those staff on how they can improve, that emphasises the development the mentoring component, which was one of my recommendations. You know, those are are spaces that I think there's a lot of potential to work in that can slowly start to, you know, change a lot of the perceptions that teachers have out there of our performance appraisal process. So, I mean, my recommendation, which came out of that study, was basically in Australia we have AITSOL. AITSOL set a series of standards there for classroom teachers as well so, as... So for our listeners, if you want to unpack so that's, that. So that's the Australian Institute for, for school, school Leaders, basically, School Teachers and Leaders, AITSOL. And they have a series of, I guess, steps for development. So to me, I am an advocate of the idea of our system identifying what we refer to as lead teachers. So these are our senior teachers who are experts in their subject areas, teaching experts, experienced teachers that meet the category of what AITSOL has set out as a lead teacher. And I'm suggesting that if we can find a number of these within this conference, particularly that the, the research is being undertaken within, then we might be able to provide some type of release for those teachers they themselves can be trained on how to assess from a performance appraisal perspective another teacher. Then they can go out, assess it, so it's not as confronting as having an education director or possibly, you know, they might be sitting there with a school principal, so the school principal has a handle on the teacher. But their role is essentially one to encourage, mentor and work with those teachers to to be improving their teacher practice. And In doing that, I think it's a little bit more focused around the positives, the feedback side. There's the mentoring component, being able to check in with someone. You know, they would take on a caseload of teachers that are outside of their own school setting, which I think is important. And there's a level of transparency around that. So I think a process like that, that allows those lead teachers to get out within, you know, their conference area, their local regions, and be mentoring and developing those teachers um, is one way to to start kind of moving the the perception that teachers have of the of the process, and also be providing feedback and development opportunities. 
So we began our conversation with your reflection on your own teaching and how that's propelled you to have this passion and commitment to quality in schools. Thinking about your immediate students in your class, Peter, what do you hope for them? They are all at very different places and that's the beauty of of the teaching to me. Every cohort is different. My immediate hope for them is that they have the opportunity to, to, you know, be excellent practitioners when they come out. So for me, my role is working with them, alongside of them. Yes, we're delivering content, but trying to provide opportunities for them to kind of see that in a broader context. I know that in the business school here at Avondale, we are very big on internship experiences and those opportunities along the way so that students can start to kind of recognise what that means for them once they become you know, graduates and go out into the workforce. Um, but the biggest thing is is making sure that they're job ready, they have a body of knowledge that allows them to do the work and that they have the underpinnings of, of professionals and obviously all of that within a framework of a Christian ethos. So, yeah, that'll be the goal for, for our students that we work with. Thanks for joining us today, Peter. No worries. You've been listening to another Here for Good podcast brought to you by the Christian Education Research Centre and Centre for Advancement of the Scholarship of Teaching and Learning at Avondale University College. For more information, you can find us online at avondale.edu.au. Thank you.